0: Luke 4:14 4, through 30 I'm going to I'm going to read the passage and then we'll pray. Luke 4:14 4, through 30. And Jesus returned in the power of the of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. God, we thank you for this story, these verses, this this passage of scripture. And we pray that you would teach us this morning um, through your Spirit, and we'll thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen. I uh, I've mentioned this before; it's not a really a secret. If you know me, I, I have a lot of uh, respect. I'm I'm easily impressed uh, by people who can who can build things and fix things. Um, if something at my house isn't working quite right, I, I can call one of you guys to help, and you come over, and then you fix it. And I'm amazed every time. I, I have no talent for that kind of stuff. Um, I, I, but, so I, I'm always, always impressed when something is just not working, and I have no idea what to do. It doesn't have batteries to change, so I I, I tried unplugging it and plugging it back in, and that's, I mean, that's all I, that's, those are the two tricks that I know, and uh, it's over. So I call someone. And they kind of mess around with it, and then it's running again. I was like, oh, cool, thank you. Now, as, as impressive as that is, imagine um, like someone like Pete Kliber, who um, who he can fix a lot of stuff. And you call Pete Kliber over to your house, and, and he fixes your whatever, you know, your sump pump or your radiator or your radiator pump or whatever. I don't know. Just whatever. Whatever you've got. It's not working. I don't know what it's called, but he fixes it. Um, and then you're just talking, and he says, "And you, how, how's how's things going?" He goes, "Well, good." He goes, "I'm I'm the Messiah." You know, next time you, something breaks, you just call someone else, right? You're just like, "I can't, I can't do this." Nope, no, nah, I can't do, I can't do this. Can't have, i nope. He's got, no, no. Um, that's what happened here in Nazareth. That's what happened. Jesus is the guy who fixes stuff. He's the carpenter. He's the carpenter. He didn't, he, I mean, he, his, he went to trade school, right? He went to trade school, like the bench that they have. Jesus built that bench. Jesus is the guy who grew up in their town. He's a good carpenter. But, I mean, what? What? What is going on here? See, see, you see in verse fourteen and fifteen, um, you see Jesus returning in the power of the Spirit of God. Jesus is going around the countryside, right? He's going around the countryside, and he's and he's kind of building up a reputation for the way that he preaches and teaches, and also he's he's doing some miracles out there. And, and, and now in today's story, he's going to come back to his hometown. He's going to come back to his hometown. He's going to preach. Um, and, and they're not going to love it. They're not going to love it. Our, our sermon this morning is going to be, um, first we're going to do the two parts to the story. All right, there's two parts to the story, we have to look at those, and then when we're done looking at the two parts to the story, we're going we're gonna to see two things that we have to learn from this story. So we're going to do two parts to the story and then we're going to do two things that we have to learn from the story. Let's let's look at the first part of the story. The local carpenter gives a surprising sermon. The local carpenter gives a surprising sermon starting in verse 14 Jesus returned in the power of the spirit of Galilee this is right after he's um he's baptized and then he's sent by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan and so he's out there for 40 days more than a month with no food being tempted by Satan and then after he's done with that he goes uh immediately and begins to go around Galilee and and he is preaching and his teaching the, a report about him verse 14 and a report about him went out throughout all the surrounding country people are talking and he taught in their synagogues being glorified by all people loved his teaching they were very impressed he was building up a reputation for an amazing teacher and during this time period um, he's done he's doing quite a few miracles there's a there is a buzz about him. And, and, and now in Nazareth, where he grew up, where they knew him, right? They, they knew him as the carpenter. They knew him as the guy who came over and fixed their wagon or their door or whatever. Uh, he's a good guy. He went, to, he went to synagogue with them. They're having a hard time. They're having a hard time believing these reports that they're hearing. He arrives in town verse 16 and we're going to see that he has a, they have a hard time by the way they respond to him in a few verses. He arrives in town verse 16 and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as was his custom he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. So the people on the Sabbath would gather at the synagogue and one of the things that would happen is a passage of scripture even either in the law or the prophets would be read and then someone would teach about what the passage meant. And and so Jesus was, probably because of his reputation around the countryside, um, he was allowed or he was asked to, to stand up and teach. Or to stand up and read the passage and then sit down and teach, actually. So verse 17, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written... So, so some scholars think that he sought this place out in the scroll, and some people think that this was just that day's reading. Um, I, I don't know. Either way, it's hard to tell. But this is the, this is the passage that he read. It's a good one. Verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. This is Isaiah's prophecy about the Messiah who would come. This was like, this was a big, Big passage for the people in Jesus' time. They were, they loved this passage. They were, they were looking forward to this passage being fulfilled. They were looking forward to this Messiah coming. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed. The people can't wait for this. This Messiah is going to come and deliver them from oppression. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor—that's that's like in, in in Isaiah's time. That would have been year of jubilee language, but it had become it had come to mean this time where the where the people are going to know the Lord's favor, where God is going to give just full and free forgiveness, and and He's going to bring complete restoration. And the people couldn't wait for this, for the Messiah to come in and usher in this great day, this new kingdom, this this wonderful age of the Lord's favor. It's a, it's a wonderful passage. Jesus read, and he rolled up the scroll, verse 20, and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. It's a really good, really good verses you just read. What are you going to say about them? Everybody's eyes are fixed on him. What is he going to say? What kind of sermon is he going to bring? Verse twenty one, and he began to say to them, "Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing." That's a really short sermon. That's a really short sermon. Sometimes when I go to preach, I say, "What would Jesus do?" And I do the opposite. <laughs> he would preach it short. I don't do that. I, I think I don't think this was his whole sermon. I think this was. I think this was. Um, the main point of his sermon, by the way, I think he had like four or five points. I think I, I mean, he had some illustrations, he had some application. He wrapped it up. They had a song and they went home. I think I think he was, yeah. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is a this is an ultimate mic drop moment. Because then, what do you say to this? Because here's what the local carpenter is saying. He, I mean. A few years ago, they called him over because the, their door was off the hinges or whatever. If they had hinges back then, I don't know. And he fixed it. His, his hands are still rough. That's who he is. He's, he's Joseph's son. He's like, he's like the car. Like, he's, the local, he's the local HVAC guy, right? I mean, he rolls up in an HVAC van. He takes that hat off. He comes in, reads the scroll, says, I'm a messiah. That's what Jesus is saying. I am the Messiah. This this passage, this wonderful, beautiful passage about the Christ who is to come, the Messiah who is to come, the servant that Isaiah told us about, the one to come, he the one who's going to bring in um, complete restoration. He's gonna give he's gonna he's gonna make all things new. He's going to overthrow the oppressors. He's gonna he's gonna open up the eyes to the blind. He's gonna preach good news to the poor. They, that's me. It's me what Jesus is saying. I'm here. Did they love this sermon? Did they love it? It was short. It had that going for it. The local carpenter gives a very surprising sermon. That's the first part of our story. Let's see part two. Let's see. They didn't, they didn't love it. The, part two, the, the local people try to kill the local carpenter. So no, they don't love it. I've had some, I've had some rough sermons in my time. Uh, no one's ever said, that was so bad, I'm going to kill you. S- starting in verse 22, and, the, and all spoke well of him. So at, at first, again, the thing that everybody loves, they love. All right. They all spoke well of him and marvelled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. Jesus speaks with authority. I mean, Jesus speaks with authority that no one else was speaking with. No one else would say that passage of scripture is about me. No one else was saying that, and it was the way he was saying it. People marvel at his authority. We're going to see that a few different times as we work through the book of Luke. They marvel at his gracious words, which which could mean. The gracious way he spoke, like sort of the skillful way he spoke, or it could be like the, 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 the words of great grace, like God's grace, the way Jesus was explaining God's grace in a powerful way. Either way, at first, they were like, wow, this is, this is something. But then, a different attitude takes over the crowd very quickly. A different attitude starts spreading quickly through the people and they said, is not this Joseph's son? And Jesus reads their thoughts here. He perceives what they're thinking and what they're implying. He perceives the skepticism and the doubt. He understands that, that, that he, I mean, that they are, they're having a hard time. Because he's one of them. He's nothing special. He, he can't be something special. They know him. And he said to them, in verse 23, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. And then he interprets what he means by that, by saying, what we have heard you do at Capernaum do here in your hometown as well, so what Jesus understands that what the people of nazareth they, they, they don 't quite believe that the reports that they hear from Capernaum like the reports they hear from the countryside of Jesus doing these these miraculous things these these healings this is after the the water being turned to wine, this is after Jesus has done some impressive stuff and and his and his teaching and and his reputation, and there 's this buzz about him and and what, Naz- what the people of Nazareth here are thinking, are they- they're thinking, you should be doing this in your, own ho- in your hometown, Jesus. You should be, you- the stuff you did out there, I want to see you do it here. I want to see you do it here. I want you to put up or shut up, is what they're thinking. But Jesus, and this is going to be a theme for Jesus. Please get this. If we can pick up on, on this theme, it will help us to understand more and more of the book of Luke. Jesus is not going to do that. He's not going to do tricks just to impress people. Please listen to this part. This will help us to understand the Gospels if if we get this. Jesus knows that they don't believe his message. They don't believe it. And so Jesus always does miracles and healings for those who believe, to strengthen their faith, to encourage their faith, to confirm their faith. And one of the things that that we will see in the book of Luke is that if you need Jesus to do a miracle in order to believe that he is the Messiah, then you will never believe. Let me say that again, It's because it's really important for us to understand. Jesus understands this, and he teaches and ministers from this truth. If you need Jesus to do a trick to show that he is who he says he is, then you will never believe. Jesus is all about you believing the message, not you being impressed by the cool stuff he can do. He understands that they reject him. They reject him. And then in verse 24 he says, Truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. Jesus is saying the Old Testament prophets were rejected in their hometowns, I am as well. And then he goes even further and this really ticks them off. Verse 25. But in truth I tell you there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heavens were shut up 3 years and 6 months and a great famine came over all the land and Elijah was sent to none of them he wasn't sent to any of the Israelites Elijah God didn't send Elijah to any of the Israelites he passed over the Israelites because it was uh, it was they were filled with unbelief so he so he didn't go and minister to those widows he was sent to none of them but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a gent- to a woman who was a widow. And then verse 27, Jesus says, And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed. Elisha didn't help any of the Israelite lepers, but he went to Naaman the Syrian. He went to the outsider. Elijah was sent to the outsider. Elisha was sent to the outsider. What is Jesus saying to his hometown? He's saying, if you reject me, if you reject me, I'll go to the Gentiles. If my people reject the message, we will take the message to the Gentiles. Luke is the one, of course, who not only wrote the book of Luke, but he wrote the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, this is one of the main themes, is the good news of Jesus Bypassing the, the unbelieving Israelites, the, the Israelites who want nothing to do with it. By and large, they don't want anything to do with it. And 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 so the message is taken to the Gentiles. And what Jesus is saying here is the the Word of God was rejected by the Israelites in the Old Testament. When when that happened, the prophets took their message to the Gentiles, and that's going to happen again. He's saying to the people of Nazareth, you are making the same foolish choice that your ancestors did generations ago. Only now you are not just rejecting a prophet, you're rejecting the Messiah. And guess what? They don't love hearing that. Verse 28, when they heard these things, All the synagogue was filled, or all all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. And they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. So the, the local carpenter gives a surprising sermon and the local people try to kill the local carpenter. That's the two parts to the sermon. Put Two parts of the story. Now let's think about two things that we must learn from this. There's a, I, this is two of the things, all right? So um, I, we could do a lot more. We're just going to do these two things. Let's think about these two things um, this morning. Number one, first thing we have to learn from this story is Jesus came for the poor. Number one, Jesus came for the poor. Verse 18 and 19 again, Jesus describes his ministry. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, which is a huge theme in the book of Acts. The the power of the Spirit in the life of Christ. The dependence upon the Spirit in the life of Christ. It's a huge theme. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the, the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus came to preach good news to the poor. He came for the poor. Now it's vital for us to understand what Jesus means by this. When the when the word of God, the the the, the use of this in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, when it when he uses this word that we translate poor, it can mean financially poor it often does mean financially poor but the word and and this is so vital for us no matter what kind of paycheck you take home every week this is important for you to understand the word is much bigger than that this refers to people who are who are broken who are humbled who are desperate in luke 6 jesus is going to say it's the poor who receive the kingdom of god it's because they, have, they, they understand how desperately they need the mercy and grace of God. This is not primarily about uh, your financial well-being or lack thereof. This is primarily about, do you understand how desperate and needy you are? Oftentimes, they are, they are financially poor as well. Like the widow that Jesus mentions, he's, give, he's given an example of two people that the, that the grace of God was given to. He's given two examples of the poor that he's coming to preach to. When he, when he gives the Elijah story and the Elisha story, the, the, the widow in the days of Elijah, she would have been very much financially poor. She would have been destitute. But then he gives the story of, of Naaman, not poor at all, incredibly rich the thing that both of them had in common is they were desperate for the mercy of God. This is who Jesus came for. And we're going to see over and over and over in the book of Luke. Sometimes it's going to be someone very poor, like a leper, and sometimes it's going to be someone like, like a tax collector. This is, these are the people who receive him. These are the people who trust him. These are the people who believe on him. The, the poor, the desperate, the needy. So what we have to understand from this story is that Jesus came for the poor. And we have to ask ourselves, and I'll circle around to this again in a minute, but we have to ask ourselves, is is this who we are? Is this how we describe ourselves, desperate for the grace and mercy of God? Are we among the poor? And then we also have to ask ourselves, are we taking the good news of Jesus to the poor? to the outsiders, to the, to, the, to the widows in Sidon, and to the, to the Naamans? Are we looking for ways to take the good news of Jesus Christ to, to outsiders, to, to people who are incredibly different than we are? I, I, I meet people sometimes, and I get into conversations with them, and I realize, oh my word, you you grew up so differently than I do. the 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 way that I was taught, the way that I was raised, the way the the values that I was taught, the just the way I think, just my my way of looking at the world is just so different than yours. Like it's just I just like so different. And what we can do if we're not careful is we can spend more time trying to prove how our way of being raised was better than theirs. Our upbringing was better. Our way of seeing the world is better. Our, our, we have our act together, act together better than they do. Yeah, we, we, we're superior to, to people who are very different from us. Let's, let's spend less time with that. Let's spend more time trying to figure out ways to tell them about Jesus. Jesus came for the poor, for the for the outsiders. Jesus came for the poor. Let's let's see what we can do in our own lives um, when we are when we just come face to face with people who are uh, just different. They just they just see everything different than us. It's important, you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of important differences that people have, and there's nothing wrong with, with understanding why you believe what you believe, and why you see the world the way you do, and the why you raise your children the way you do, and the values you're trying to instill in your family. All of that is important, but let's not, let's not waste time um, trying to prove why we're superior to people who are different than us. Let's, let's try to figure out how we can instead tell them about Jesus. And if you're thinking right now, man, I don't really like that. I don't love that point, Steve. Then you're not going to love the book of Luke. I feel like I'm going to be saying that a lot. Um, And and a lot of it is because um, I need to hear it. I need to put it in practice. I need to remember that I I am the poor outsider that Jesus came for. Number two... Jesus demands a response. Jesus demands a response. It is very clear when we see how the local people treat the local carpenter. When they, when, they, when, when they hear the message of Jesus, it is very clear they don't see themselves as poor. They don't see themselves as needy or desperate for the grace of God they're not crying out for God's grace to them through Jesus. They want nothing to do with trusting in Jesus as Messiah, following Jesus as Messiah, believing upon Jesus. They want nothing to do with any of that. In fact, they want to kill him. And this is just one of the many times in the book of Luke where, where the author is going to press this question on us. What do you think of Jesus? And so what I want you to do right now is I want you to think about this with me. What do you think about Jesus? I'm I'm not asking if you're familiar with him. There were ways in which the the people of Nazareth were familiar with Jesus. They knew facts about Jesus. I'm not asking that. I'm asking you, is Jesus your savior? Is Jesus your only hope? I'm not asking if you know things about him. I'm asking, is he your savior? There are so many people who who spent all of their growing up years in church, and they they can write off all kinds of facts about Jesus, but he's not their savior. Jesus Christ died on that cross to save us from the from from the Father's anger for our sins, to save us from the hell we deserve for our sins. Are you? Personally, trusting in what Jesus did on the cross to save you from the hell that you deserve. Do you understand that you are the poor that need Jesus? I love the way this story ends. I love it. I I never thought about it until this week. Um. And uh, I, I probably because I've never taught all, like just consecutively through the book of Luke before but I love verse 29 and 30 and they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff but passing through their midst he went away and we don't know how he escaped but I I love that it's okay it's, so it's, it's not been that long in the book of Luke anyhow it's not been that long since Luke told us about Satan's temptations. And one of Satan's temptations was to take Jesus up to a very high point and, and say, throw yourself down, Jesus, and, and, and God will protect you. He's basically trying to put God to the test, trying to trying to just... Verify. just prove that God will indeed take care of his son, to to prove that Jesus truly is the beloved son of God, that he's he's as loved, as protected as, as he thinks he is. We just want to test God's protection. And Jesus says, no, I'm not going to put God to the test. No. Well, then here, a chapter later, Jesus is up at a high place and he is in danger of being thrown off a cliff. He's being danger, he's in, he's in danger of, of dying from a very high place and somehow he escapes. Somehow the Father protects him somehow he gets away. We don't know how. He just he just left. All of this, both of, the, both of those stories point us forward to the end of the book of Luke, don't they? When Jesus is once again, taken by an angry mob, and he's once again taken up a hill to be killed. And that time, it's on a cross. And that time, his father doesn't protect him. Jesus is taken by an angry mob, and he, and he is taken up a cross, up a hill on a cross. He's lifted, lifted up, for our sins. He could have escaped. His father could have protected him. From all that he was to endure. But instead. Jesus didn't escape. And instead the father throttled him. With all of his holy righteous anger. For your sin. And for my sin. The, the book of Luke. Ends. Some of the stuff we see at the beginning, the Son of God being taken up high, and this time he doesn't escape. This time we escape. The Father refuses to protect Jesus so that he can protect us from the hell we deserve. Jesus Jesus came to die for the poor, for the needy, for the desperate. This good news demands a response. What is your response to the good news of Jesus Christ? Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you so much for Jesus. I thank you that now I am protected, I am safe, I escape. the the hell that I deserve. Because Jesus chose not to escape. You chose not to protect him. Instead you chose to punish him for sins he had not committed, sins that I had committed. Thank you for this grace and I pray that if there's anybody in here who this is this is these are facts that they sort of know about Jesus but they don't personally believe that Jesus is their Savior. I pray that that would change this morning. You would do a wonderful work in their heart, and that they would today put their faith in Jesus as their only hope to be saved from the, from the hell that they deserve. And I pray that you would help us, God, to have joy to remember the gospel and to have joy and to have so much joy that we are itching to tell people who are, who are on the outside looking in right now. I pray that you would help us, God, to, to remember we're among the poor that Jesus died for and, and that it is our joy, it's our honor, it's our privilege to, to tell others. Give us the courage to do that, please. In Christ's name, amen.